we gotta go learn more about Gog, this ruler, this principality of the north, and his plans to take over Israel. Persia, or Iran, has been trying to acquire nuclear weapons for some time. They've been threatening to wipe Israel off the face of the planet for years now. God is trying to prove himself strong to the Jewish people that all this conflict is really for one singular purpose, so that they may know that I am the Lord. We are so glad you've joined us today. We're at the third stop, actually heading to the third stop of this roadmap. Mm -hmm. What's going on today, guys? The third stop is the Battle of Gog and Magog. Ah. And we are looking at prophecy in a chronological order. If you've ever been unnerved, ever been confused by it, we are putting it step by step so you'll get it all the way to the end of time in the Battle of Armageddon. That's right. This is a topic of much discussion today because Bible readers look at the news headlines and they see wars and these nations coming into alignment and everybody's talking about Psalm 83, Gog and Magog, the Ezekiel 38 and 39 war, and they get confused because some people believe this is the same battle as Armageddon or it occurs at the end of a millennial reign and we want to clear up that confusion today. Which you'll do today. That's we right. like yes. appreciate that. I believe right now you're heading to Tiberias. Is that right? We start off Tiberias and we're going to head north to the border of Syria. Right. Let's go there now. You know what I don't get? I get the rapture's going to happen, millions of people are going to disappear, but how does that equal death, destruction, Gog, Magog, worshiping aliens, well, people being crazy? The entire landscape of the world is going to change. Uh, and there's going to be a void to fill, and Satan's going to take an opportunity to fill that void, either uh, placing blame for the disappearances or taking credit for them. So all of a sudden, we're going to start worshiping aliens and Kardashians, and Putin's going to be in charge of Magog? Yeah, he did it. Less than five minutes into the show, he mentions uh, Putin, aliens, and Kardashians all in one sentence. I mean, that's got to offend at least 65% of the world's population. Honestly, Josh, I wouldn't doubt anything at this point. It's possible that demonic entities masquerading as aliens, our progenitors, will take credit for the disappearances. And with Christianity gone, a one-world religion to these demons may fill that void. I mean, even today, government powers are declassifying UFO encounters. I mean, Satan will do anything when he masquerades as an angel of light. No idea what progenitor means, but I think Jeff is calling. Jeff, Jeff, Jeff. It is a tough assignment today, gentlemen. It was written throughout the ages on these pages many years ago. People talk about spiritual warfare. Well, show us what happens when the spiritual gets material. We see in Revelation when these spiritual forces take on bodies and nations collide. They go after the Hebrews. It's a tough story to tell. Go get them, gentlemen. You know, Jeff is right. The Gog and Magog conflict is spiritual just as much as it is physical. We gotta go learn more about Gog, this ruler, this principality of the north, and his plans to take over Israel. Well, let's go. Come on, brother. We gotta stop Gog and Magog and Kim and Jenner and all the Dashians. Whoa, 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 hold on, time out, time out. Wardrobe change. We get it. Those are not color-changing shirts. Although if we did, you could get them for the donation price of no. Here's the deal. 18 episodes, two series shot in 10 days that are going to air over the course of half a year. Sometimes they told us to put on the wrong shirts. It wasn't my fault.
guys, before we discuss the details of the Battle of Gog and Magog, let's go ahead and address the elephant in the Jeep. Okay. The timing. Everybody gets in such a hissy fit about the timing. Mm. Is it in the middle of the tribulation? Is it the end of the tribulation? There's this verse in Revelation. Well, yeah. here's, here's the verse. Yeah. Revelation 27 and 8. It says, now when the thousand years have expired, Satan will be released from his prison. And it will go out and deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together in battle, whose number is of the sand of the sea. Guys, the top reasons why this battle, which we refer to as the final battle, is not the same as Gog and Magog. First of all, you can read the term Gog and Magog many places in Bible, and just like Jerusalem, it doesn't mean it's always referring to the same situation or thing. Number one, the participants in that final battle is the entire world, whereas Gog and Magog is more localized contenders, you know? Um, second, uh, Gog's motivation is quite different, you know? It's, it's pretty much greed, whereas Satan's motivation is rebellion against Yeshua. He wants to rule, he wants the throne. But third, I say the conclusions are vastly different, Josh. You know, um, the final battle ends as God uh, shoots out fire from the throne, incinerates the entire army and the whole earth. As Second <laughs> Peter uh, 3, 6 through 7 states, I mean, the whole earth is destroyed by fire. But the conclusion of Gog and Magog is quite different. You get sulfur and hailstones and, and great earthquakes, and every man's sword against his brother, and the earth survives both. Ezekiel 39.9 says, uh, we have seven years to burn the weapons of war after the conclusion of a battle. And Ezekiel 39.12-16 says, uh, it takes seven months to mark out the dead bodies in the valley of Hammon Gog. So, this is where I kind of get that conclusion that Gog and Magog cannot occur in the middle of the tribulation because you need those seven years. Uh, and Messiah already rejuvenates the world after the end of the tribulation. At the end of a millennial reign, the whole world ends. So it can't be the end of a millennial reign. But it's not by accident that it's seven years to burn the weapons of war and there's a seven year tribulation. Thus, I believe it occurs before the tribulation. So. That makes sense to me, brother. Yep. Here we are. Ezekiel 38, 1 through 6. Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, set your face against Gog of the land of Magog, and say, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against you, O God, the prince of Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal. I will turn you around and put hooks in your jaws, and lead you out with all of your armies, horses, and horsemen, all splendidly clothed, a great company with bucklers and shields, all of them handling swords. Persia, Ethiopia, and Libya are with them, all of them with shield and helmet, Gomer and all its troops, the house of Togarma. From the far north, all its troops, many people are with you. Here we are on the Golan Heights, point of contention in times past. We know that Syria attacked during the Yom Kippur War in 1973 mm. with a coalition. Interestingly enough, this Prince Gog, this spiritual principality like the Prince of Persia, mm. will attack with the nations a coalition against Israel. That's true in that scripture that we just read. Those nations are unknown to today, but if you take their modern day equivalent, you get Russia, you get Iran, you get Turkey, you get Tunisia, you get Morocco, you get Libya, you get all the stands, Ajburkistan, Tumekistan, because I, I can't even say all A the stands. stands. Whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, guys, uh, 
<clears throat> None of those stands are real, FYI. But what matters is these are the nations that immediately surround the Psalm 83 coalition nations. And since those nations are subdued, they can very easily pass through on their way to invade Israel. It's bad. Very bad. Ezekiel 38, 8 through 9 says, In the latter years you will come into the land of those brought back from the sword and gathered from many people on the mountains of Israel, which had long been desolate. They were brought out of nations, and now all of them dwell safely. You will ascend, coming like a storm, covering the land like a cloud, you and all your troops and many peoples with you. Whoa, look at that view. I think I can see Damascus from here. I think I can see Mount Everest from here. Now guys, Russia has been carving uh, a clear path to Israel for the last few decades and to the Black Sea, necessary prophetic uh, establishment to get to Israel for these wars. You know, back in 2008, they had a hostile takeover of Georgia, then 2014, Crimea, and then in 2022, you all know about that, that Ukraine conflict that's currently going on. Hopefully it'll end soon, but all of this is so they can get through Syria to reach the mountains of Israel. We believe Damascus is gonna be wiped out before that because of Isaiah chapter 17 and a single night, possibly nuclear warhead style, they're taken out. Yeah, from this vantage point, we have the best view of a mushroom cloud when Damascus gets hit. I wonder about the fallout. You're probably asking yourself, why is Gog marching in on foot instead of just launching nukes? Well, yeah. ask yourself, they probably just saw Damascus destroyed when Israel had to flex its muscle with mm -hmm. the Samson option and literally blow them up in one night. So I ask you, what would you do at that point? I, I wouldn't, you know. Syria is right there, guys, and Damascus 40 miles from here. This, according to scriptures, where it all takes place, this is where the battleground is for Gog and Magog. Wow. Now, Josh, I remember you critiquing my love for dinosaurs, saying that there were no Jewish dinosaurs. And yeah, it is nerds. There were no Jewish dinosaurs in the Bible. I don't even know why we're doing a show on this. But here we are in Israel on Mount Pintal, and there's a dinosaur. It's clearly a Jewish iguana. It's not it's Jewish nothing iguana. like a dinosaur. It's just it, that, that, that artist had poor scale. Totally dinosaur. They meant for it to be three feet tall. Dang it. OK, sure, fine, yeah, I get it. Dinosaurs in Israel. Let me ask you this. If there are, then why is the IDF not riding T-Rexes in the battle? Ah! Ezekiel 38, 10 through 12. Thus says the Lord God, on that day it shall come to pass that thoughts will arise in your mind and you will make an evil plan. You will say, I will go up against a land of unwalled villages. I will go to a peaceful people who dwell safely to take plunder and to take booty to stretch out your hand against the waste places that are again inhabited and against a people gathered from the nations who have acquired livestock and goods who dwell in the midst of the land. What is Prince Gog's motivation in all this? We mentioned greed earlier. He sees this prosperous nation Israel recovered from war, a land of unwalled villages. People say that can't happen in Israel today because they have a wall separating them from the Gaza Strip and the West Bank. But that is a separation boundary of nations and territories. So it doesn't have to be a prerequisite for Gog to happen right now. So we know that Israel has something that Prince Gog wants. Yeah. And as everything starts to align, one of the possibilities is that it may be oil. 
Hmm. Now Deuteronomy 33, 24 says, Asher is most blessed of sons. Let him be favored by his brothers and let him dip his foot in oil. Now, some people have taken this to mean that Israel is going to strike oil soon in a big way, mm. creating wealth and prosperity that makes them a key player on the world stage. Another option is natural gas. Revealed during the Russian-Ukraine conflict is that Russia holds a monopoly in supplying the European Union with 40% of their natural gas, 30% of their oil. They have pipelines that run through Belarus and Ukraine that supply most of Northern Europe. And Europe is currently going through an energy crisis with their refusal to mine fossil fuels in order to have this perfect environmentalism utopia. But the interesting thing is, uh, currently, Russia is planning the Tesla pipeline, that they are uh, in cahoots with Turkey, another player, to create a pipeline that then goes to Greece and hold a monopoly on all Southern Europe. But then something big happened. Israel struck natural gas on the Mediterranean coast and they've been very generous with wanting to supply that natural gas to people all around them. This is the huge difference here because Israel immediately begins the plans for the East Med pipeline, mm -hmm. where they're gonna take natural gas from Israel to Cyprus to Greece, providing it for all of Europe by 2025. Yeah. Well, what does this do? It spawns immediate retaliation by Russia and its cohort Turkey. And in fact, on one occasion, yeah. Turkey sends out ships to create a blockade to try to stop this from happening. A little different. Everybody else over here trying to charge. Israel's trying to help the world. Because Russia deems money, power, resources as the most important thing, and they'll do anything. Control and monopoly on energy resources. Know that they play to win over in Russia. Mm. Don't worry, Russia never have very small men. All very strong, very big man, lots of riding T-Rex. We are top number one. That's just a thing they do. Ezekiel 38, 16. You will come up against my people Israel like a cloud to cover the land. It will be in the latter days that I will bring you against my land so that the nations may know me when I am hallowed in you, O God, before their eyes. Indeed, war is looming on the world stage. Turkey is about to make their presence known in a big way. We're going to talk about that next week. Mm -hmm. Persia, or Iran, has been trying to acquire nuclear weapons for some time. They've been threatening to wipe Israel off the face of the planet for years now. They use their vassals, Syria, Lebanon, Hamas, even today to attack Israel. That's right, guys. And Russia is always trying to show their strength and dominance. Huh. That's funny. Yeah, I guess Ivan Drago was really small in Rocky IV. Always. Always the display of strength on the inside, Russia. Freudian's best friend. Literally, that's why Sigmund Freud was so famous. Russians. And it's very interesting in Ezekiel 38.4, it says that Gog is kind of drug into the conflict with a hook in his mouth. And it's not that he, he doesn't want the power and dominance. It's not ideological for him. You know that currently for Islam, they want to dominate, they want to control. It's all about the religion, but not for Gog. He wants the resources. And it's interesting that I would say from right now, it says 12% of the Russian population adheres to Islam but 10% is in the military, so that may be kind of a, a effect at, at pulling Gog along to get into this conflict. But at that point, it's going to be God, not the IDF, that saves the day. He's mm -hmm. gonna come in with an earthquake mm -hmm. and hailstones mm -hmm. and, and, and brimstone and everything like in, in uh, flooding rain, flooding yeah, rain, all of the things uh, to, to take care of the situation. Yeah. We read here in Ezekiel 39 two, and I will turn thee back and leave, but the sixth part of thee, only one-sixth of the enemy is going to survive. God sends down judgment on the land of Gog and Magog, Russia. 
Ezekiel 39.6 says, And I will send down fire on Magog, and those who live in the security in the coastlands, they shall know that I am Lord. Wow, that's a big burn and destruction. But all this conflict is really for one singular purpose, so that they may know that I am the Lord. God is trying to prove himself strong to the Jewish people, and he uses this conflict as a catalyst for a national revival of all the people of Israel to believe on the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Ezekiel 39, 21 through 22. I will set my glory among the nations. All the nations shall see my judgment, which I have executed, and my hand, which I have laid on them. So the house of Israel shall know that I am the Lord their God from that day forward. From that day forward, what does that mean? What is it gonna take today to unite the Jewish people under one religion? for them to believe in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now you may think that all Jewish people believe in Elohim, but they don't. You have secular Jews, atheist Jews, Buddhist Jews, Hindus, so those are Hindus that believe. Well, here's the deal. The catalyst for the 12 tribes returning was the Holocaust. And the supernatural intervention of Gog and Magog is gonna be the catalysts that bring all Jews believing in one God and show the people of this world that God backs his people of Israel. Brother, you in there? Yeah. It's totally cool in there, but you're absolutely right, Josh. It's absolutely necessary for the national revival of Judaism in order to bring about the construction of a third temple. You know, these nations that are crippled will have to sign a peace treaty between Israel, which will begin construction of a third temple. And guess who the broker is going to be of this peace treaty? None other than the beast himself, AKA the Antichrist. I know last week, guys, we spoke about the seven feasts and the prophetic fulfillment and how this relates to the end times. We know that the Feast of Trumpets is fulfilled with the rapture, Rosh Hashanah. And Rosh Hashanah is a hard time for the Jewish people. It's a day that they afflict their souls. They, they, they mourn, they try to get God to get their names written in the book of life for another year. And from Rosh Hashanah to Yom Kippur is 10 days. Those are called the 10 days of awe. And I believe that the Battle of Gog and Magog occurs during these 10 days of awe. And the conclusion is Yom Kippur. Thus, the tribulation must begin, Josh, on Yom Kippur and end on Yom Kippur. You may ask, why doesn't America come to Israel's aid during the Battle of Gog and Magog? You know, it's already written in scripture whether we are involved in that battle or not, and we absolutely aren't. Well, why is that, you know? I believe America is crippled at this point in history, whether by the rapture or an assault from a, you know, a well-placed EMP from Iran or Russia, but we are not really written into Bible prophecy. Unless you read all nations or every people come together, we're not there. No young lions of Tarshish, you know, no eagle's wings. We're not there, guys. What it boils down to is it is time to repent. Mm. Don't wait 
until the atrocities and the horrors of what's going to happen in that time period. The Father wants you to be spared and the only way that that can happen is for you to repent and accept Yeshua as the Messiah. Mm -hmm. Today is the day. Escape the tribulation and everything that will be poured out there. Believe now. In speculating about the impending timeline of Gog and Magog one day, we often look to the most visceral enemy of Israel, which is Iran. But we don't often stop to look at the good that is happening in this country as well. That's true. Dr. Hormoz Shariat of Iran Alive Ministries has long heralded the amazing power of God that is outpouring in that small country. God is doing wonders with the people of Iran, and we want to tell you the good news about it now. Jewish brothers and Muslim background believers sitting together, that's prophetic. That, yes, that's sir. what the Amen. Bible says. Why I say it's prophetic? Because you look in the Bible and the past of Iran and Israel are tied together. You mm. read yeah. that in the Old Testament with Iran and, the, and Cyrus setting the captives free. Mm. But the future also, when, when the Bible says, I will set my throne in Jerusalem, but also in Elam, which is completely inside the land of Iran in yes. Jeremiah 49. So what does it mean when he says, I will set my throne in two places? It means I'm going to, this is the end time. Iran and Israel will work together for the salvation of the world. That's what I wow. see. <laughs> well, that's interesting because Satan is using Iran right now to be a thorn in Israel's side. It's almost paying a target on his back because God's going to have to judge the nation that curses Israel. We know that. He will bless those who blesses the Jewish people. He will curse those who curse it. It's just the government we hear uh, that hates the Jewish people. You said that the people of Iran don't have that animosity toward the Jewish people. Is that correct? That's correct. Are you ready to be shocked? I'm ready. <laughs> yes, okay. Iranians love Americans. They love the wow. Jewish people. It, it's gone. The hatred that Islam imported into Iran and the government of Iran, Islamic government of Iran, is still holding on to that. Mm. But I talked to the people, you know, we have a 24-7 satellite broadcast. Hundreds of people contact us every day. We know what people think. They don't hate Israel. Actually, you see they, uh, these rallies, uh, they are saying, uh, people protesting on the streets, they're saying, uh, why should we hate Israel? They haven't done nothing to us. Mm. You, the clergy, you're the ones who have made our lives miserable. We hate you, not them. Wow. And, and other, another point is that there's such a disconnect between the government of Iran and the people of Iran. When the government says death to Israel, uh -huh. the people say they must be good people. <laughs> so, <laughs> they know there's something wrong there. We're so appreciative for that interview and the additional insight. You guys have given me insight, and, I, and I'm not tuning my horn. I've been to Bible college, mm -hmm. studied the Bible, and honestly, I never knew that Gog was a prince. Mm. I thought it was the battle of Gog and Magog, like those are the yeah. northern, these countries. But I never realized that, and so I'm appreciative for that and your, your teaching well, and that insight. You. Yeah. I mean, he's a spiritual principality, uh, a fallen angel, if you will. 
And you see with this uh, battle of Gog and Magog, um, it, it's really all there to bring the whole house of Israel to the knowledge of Yeshua. Because you have many Jews under the sun right now believing so many different religions, and they all have to believe in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But Satan will use this as a catalyst to step in and become the great negotiator bringing peace at the conclusion of a battle. Even though Yeshua supernaturally saves him, he's going to take credit for it. It's a harsh way, though. It's, yeah. it's, it's not an easy, oh, that's a nice battle. This is like big time. This is really yes. harsh, especially for the Jewish people. Yeah. It is very harsh, and we know that the great deceiver is going to come on the scenes. Mm -hmm. This Antichrist is going to literally deceive everybody. And when we look at 2 Thessalonians 2, 9-12, it says that the coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan all powers and, and signs and lying wonders and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion and they should believe the lie and they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. It's interesting, guys, but no Antichrist would be successful on this earth if we would simply love the truth and righteousness. They would fail immediately, um, but our desires for sin and perversion and things that are of the world, and that's why they gain a foothold in our lives. Isn't it easy to lean towards the lies sometimes for yeah. many of us? It can be to give into the flesh, and that's why we have to focus on the Spirit. Uh, Matthew 24, 24 says, For false Christs and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if it was possible, even the elect. Mm. The world's going to be deceived, but thank God Yeshua comes. He has come to set us free from deception, delusion. We don't have to live through that. We can accept Him now and receive our salvation before any of those horrors occur. And that's why we are on the air. We hope that this program continues until that day so that the good news can go to all the Jewish people, all the people that need him, need them in their lives. So you funding this program make the good news continue, hopefully even till Gog and Magog days. Hopefully. And also all the places that these guys are teaching at, we take you on tour. You can find all the information on levitt.com. We'll be right back. Our resource this week, the book, The Iranian Menace in Jewish History and Prophecy by Dr. Jeffrey Seif. As Iran continues to capture the world's attention with threats and tactical support of Israel's enemies, Dr. Seif uses scriptural and secular evidence to support his case for the Iranian Armageddon connection. Contact us and ask for the book, The Iranian Menace. Thanks for joining us today. You're going to want to watch next week's episode on our fourth stop of the Roadmap to Armageddon where we talk about the rise of the beast. It's not just enough to, to see the steps that he takes in taking world power. We want to look at his identity and his genetic makeup. You don't want to miss this. Thank you guys for your insight today. It's time to go. We leave you with a song from our founder, Zola Levitt. But before we do that, Sha'alu Shalom Yerushalayim. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem.
As a 100% viewer-funded ministry, your gifts allow us to bring you our weekly television series, social media outlets, website, and other ministry endeavors. Call us anytime at 1-800-WONDERS and ask about this week's resource. Please remember we depend on tax-deductible donations from viewers like you.